Have we got a great one in store in the next two hours. Wow, well done. You, you getting my vibe here, JB? <laughs> really well done. A great two hours coming up on the Real Kipper and Born show. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Wayne Gretzky will be joining us in today's show. We're going to get into a ton of stuff. A ton. Oh, yeah, man. Including that conversation that keeps going about stars in the room that they're trying to get. And where is that line? We still don't know, do we, JB? No, we don't. And actually, now that you mentioned that, I would like to ask Wayne about drawing penalties. Because, you know, there was... Uh... The whole Connor McDavid shut up thing. You know, Wayne, Wayne used to, you know, look for calls here and there, right? You know how many calls Connor has had since that old shut up and play? <laughs> a lot. I think four and four games he's yeah, drawn. Yeah, three were called last night, I think. Or they're sorry, the night before against yeah. him. So and Michael wrong. Bunting from the Leafs, he's getting up there. He's right up there amongst the league leaders and drawing penalties. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. We also have in the show... But so much talk about Mitch Marner and that shorthanded goal that he scored and the edge work that he's one of the best, right? Dancing against Vegas too, right? Against uh, Leonard there. So we found uh, Rob DeVoe. You ever heard of him? Uh, You know, honestly, Kipper, I hadn't until you introduced me to him. Um, Tell us more. Owner of the Three Zones Hockey School. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, a guy that's worked with Mitch Marner since he was... Four years old. Four? Like, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. one four, not no, 14? Four. Okay. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll bring him on and just for no other reason, just to ask him, what, what does Mitch Marner look like at four? Has he improved his edge work since he was four? Or what did you lo- always What did good? you look like at, at four? <laughs> you, you, Me? I wasn't even on skates yet, I no, don't think. No, no, you are still on the nipple. <laughs> Hey, Sammy. Well on skates. It was Come incredible. On. For sure. <laughs> it was an incredible talent. You were, no doubt, uh, maybe in, in the diaper, too. <laughs> <laughs> was a, they called me a late bloomer, Kipper. It was hockey and life. Jennifer Botterell will be back uh, on the show as well. Uh, three-time Olympic gold medalist, Hockey Night in Canada, of course. We'll get her thoughts on the Leafs and what she sees across the country. Love it. And how it's shaping up. Mike mm-hmm. McKenna. Also from Daily Faceoff, retired NHL goaltender. He's been around the block a few times, right? Yeah, he's been on a couple teams. We'll ask him about Jack Campbell's workload. So plenty, including we've got a game tonight. Oh, thank mercy. California 11 for yeah. the Toronto Maple Leafs starting in L.A. tonight. God, they, they miss a couple of days. It's almost like waiting for the summer to end to start the hockey season. What are we going to do in summer? We gonna talk about hockey in the summer still? Get the Jays takes ready, boys. Oh, man. So outside of Jack Campbell, and uh, I'm sure they'll probably need what 10, 15 minutes for his video tribute tonight. <laughs> yeah, honestly, everyone loves him so much. It's oh probably my true. god, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But uh, yeah, that'll be a that'll be a good one for him. You always want to go back to the team that never believed in you enough. Yeah. to keep you. And he took an L against him earlier in the season. Not that his team helped him out. Uh, you know, last time they played the Kings, the Kings spent half the game blowing by D-men like they were stationary. So hopefully Jack has a little bit mobile decor to help him out uh, in California. And before we go any further here, Sammy, we're giving away tickets again. And no, you cannot keep them and save yourself 450 bucks and take your fiance. Oh, okay. Well, this is a little new one. So, uh, hey, Leaf fans. We're giving away, a, giving away a pair of tickets to the December 1st game between the Leafs and Avalanche. Good one. All you have to do is download this Thursday and Friday's episode of Real Kipper and Born and listen for different code words that will be placed throughout the podcast. A little sneaky deaky Ooh. here. Then next, uh, then text each code word to 595.90 and you will be entered in for a chance to win. Each code word counts as an entry and the winner will be selected on Monday, November 29th. This is so clever. There we go. This is clever. You Sneaking have to actually download the podcast to yes, get the sir. free tickets. I and like you have to it. rate, you have to review, you have to do that too while you're there. So, yes. There you go. That'd be helpful. Tell us all about Sammy <laughs> and and his reading. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, you know, nah, it you fine. butchered it at the very beginning, but then you just fell right into right into place. And hey, not a bad game. Kadri coming in, one of the hottest scores in the league. We should get him on. I'd love to talk to him. 
We're going to track him down. We How's are. that? We'll see what we can do. All right. So outside of Campbell going in there and trying to send a message to his old team, a story that won't go away is still what's going on with the Leafs and the offense. Mm-hmm. And why are they having such trouble putting the puck in the net? Yeah, goals for per game. The Leafs are 26th in the NHL, despite having, you know, four guys who you think of as elite offensive players, some good puck moving D. Um, And yesterday we talked with Mike Kelly and talked about how their first overall in expected goals, expected, expected, all this expectedness and no actual goals. Sheldon Keefe uh, was asked about the disparity between the two numbers uh, yesterday. Talked about this the other day. It's been a challenge for us to really pinpoint and identify where we're lacking and, and where we can improve just simply because as you go you look at it you know what usually when things aren't going well you, you look at your own clips and you, and you look at it and see what's happening or not happening and then you look at trends around the league you know, what are we missing something or things that other teams doing that we can we can adopt or that we should be looking at and you look at statistically in nearly every category we're right at the top of the league offensively uh, so that's been a challenge for us but I think for us it's just a matter of um, bearing down on the chances that we do get but what can we do to to get greater volume of of pucks towards the net and break down defense um, more frequently so what do you think I heard bear down those are the words that stood out to me you know it's become such a sin at least among the analytics people to to ever imply that you control these sort of things but like Great, you're getting chances. I, I don't know about you, but I had a lot of coaches over my career say, I don't care. Like, we need you when you get those moments to bear down, to find a way to shoot it harder, put it into your goal score. Bear down. Sammy, you want to take a crack at this? I heard a guy that's has no idea. I've uh, Yeah, that was something to hear him be like, you know, we don't exactly like, know. We're, it's tricky. We're looking at it like we're watching. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I kind I'm, of, I'm, 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 I actually cut off, you know, a minute. 20 of that answer because he spoke about it for two minutes on just different parts of it. I took the best part of it as a, you know, just that's called producing boy. But I, I, the way he was talking about it, it just kind of seemed like they don't necessarily have the answer. And I think it just comes down to Austin Matthews not shooting 9.5%. And then I think that's Hmm. when the, that's when the, you know, the numbers at five on five will start going north again, right? Ah, man. I, I listened to him and trends. So, like, find a trend. Find something. Now, I've had this conversation with you guys earlier in the year, and I do have a theory here about the Leafs' top two centermen, Matthews and Tavares. Not typical, true playmaking centermen. And I don't think, between the both of them, that they've created enough in the middle position. And I, I, I see a trend. Mm-hmm. The trend is these guys want to shoot the puck. Right. And I, I want to see a little less of that and a little bit more playmaking. The Leafs have one natural playmaker up front. And we know who that is. You want Mitch to play center? Am I left to believe this again? Is this true? Forget about left, right, center. Just think now, playmaking, visually uh, visualizing, like opening up the ice, mm-hmm. making guys around you better, putting them in a position to score. Who is the best at that? On the Leafs? Yes. It's Mitch. That's a problem. I don't see how it's a problem. Because I think you're we're not mentioning this one. Matthews and Tavares. You're not mentioning them at first and second center ice. That's a problem. I just don't see. I, I guess here's the, the my curiosity here is, is there a point that Marner should play center, that these guys should not be Maybe. centermen themselves? Maybe. What's the... I, that That's not what I'm trying to drive at. Yeah. My... What I'm trying to drive at is that your two center icemen are are thought of now shooters mm-hmm. than playmaking centermen. They definitely are. Well, but they have scored as a team in the past with the same two guys at center. But but it maybe it's just catching up to them now because 
they're more predictable. Like, take a look at the shots on goal. Mm -hmm. Typically, the league leaders are wingers. They're not centermen. Yeah. And we've got, I think, Kyle Connor leading the league in shots. Is he really? I mean, makes sense, gosh. right? Yeah, it makes sense. Ovechkin. Heard of him. Makes sense. Who's third? Well, man, I would have no Austin idea. Matthews. Thank you. Is it? There you go. Okay. Centerman. Then we go back to wingers. Yeah. Tarasenko. And we're going to throw in Connor. Mm-hmm. And then you go down the list. It's top top 12. All wingers. All wingers, with the exception of McDavid and Matthews. I just don't know if having a center who also gets a lot of shots is a bad thing. This feels to me like that is what you're giving me as a plus, not a negative, in terms of creation. I it's, an inter- it's just interesting. No, I it is. never it is. thought yeah. of that, really. Tavares, next centerman, shots, is most really? shots. So now you got three out of 12 centermen. Two of them belong to the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's dr- just dr- worked dr- for them before. Dreisaitl's not even yeah. in, I think, the top 15. It's worked for them before, but now more than ever, there's a trend there's a predictability. And, sure, yeah. and and maybe it's just getting shut down a little bit more on Tavares and Matthews because you know they want their shots. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a little bit more cheating on it. Certainly with uh, having bunting and Kerfoot on the wings would give you a little bit of leeway to cheat towards the uh, the guys in the middle. There's no doubt about that. It's, yeah, no, they're, they're a differently constructed I team in a lot of ways. I mean... You you asked me to yeah. what a trend is. I see th- three centermen in the top twelve for shots on goal, and two of them belong to the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's a trend. Well, then let's get to our one other thing before we get to our first guest, and and the uh, the other trend is ice time. And are you a guy who believes top guys should play huge minutes? Like Connor and Drysaddle play what twenty three, twenty whatever minutes. The Leafs in the past, have been inching up. Since Sheldon Keefe took over, Marner and Matthews have played more every game. Has it been too much? Do you think it's better to have a balanced group, or do you like the idea of your best guys playing a lot of minutes? I Whatever is appropriate. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're also team. talking about uh, a pretty good run here of almost a month where they're winning games, and there's a lead, and there's a sense that you can – you can roll four lines when you're shut down. They're not right. chasing the game. And you know what happens when you chase the game and you're down a goal or two, two. Just keep throwing those guys you're, over. You're, you're <laughs> going to completely throw those guys over. Yeah. And they want, they want their ice time, especially when they're, when they're chasing the scoreboard. They don't want to sit and rotate four lines. No. So that, that plays into it in the last three and a half, four weeks. And that's a good thing. Because ultimately, I've said this too, Mitch Marner ran out of gas, in my opinion, last year. Yeah, I agree. And if you can save those minutes in October, November, and December, it'll pay off for you. But it's it's worked out well for them. They're winning. Yeah. They're, they're not chasing the score. You can roll four lines. It is. It's interesting. You can look at the games and say, yeah, we won, and our top guys didn't play a lot. And it's like, well, they didn't have to play a lot. But Keith is aware of that. Let's play our other clip before we get to our, our first guest. For me, we can uh, spread out the minutes a little bit better. I think you've seen that in the games that we've been winning. Uh, you know, that our top guys' minutes are down and it's spread out a little bit better. Um, you know, when we're trailing in games, it's obviously we're going to continue to push the offensive guys. But having those guys on our bench... Um, has has made it uh, much more comfortable for me in terms of the flow of our bench. Really comfortable. Yeah. No, he loves he loves this Camp Akasha line that you can actually throw him out over the boards and rest the big dogs. It's it's a good position to be in, one he hasn't felt yeah. comfortable in a while. Flow of the bench is interesting to me. Is that something that you guys would ever think of when you're playing in like a high level game, like the way the bench is flowing, the way guys are jumping over? Like how? What define that? What does that mean? I think that's freed up when you have four lines, right? Like four lines you trust, and you can actually get everyone on the ice. And special teams always makes it janky. I've just never heard that before. Like the flow of the bench. It's just yeah. something I've never thought of. Kipper. Uh, 
I always refer to it as a, a certain rhythm of a hockey game as well. And it's in a perfect world, you know, as JB just said, no penalties, no disruption, get out there 45, 55 seconds, change on the fly, get the next line up, and ev- everything just seems to be rolling. And and it has for the Leafs, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, since going 2-4-1, and one, yeah. uh, it's it's really been really solid for them from the net on out. Yeah. The power play, the penalty killing, uh, nobody's gotten hurt. No one's caught COVID. It has been a, a coach's dream in the last three and a half weeks. Yeah, this is a sneaky test for them. I feel like going to California where it's like teams, you expect them to be better than, but you're traveling, you know, that you've lost to San Jose and LA already. Uh, going to be a good test to see if they're able to rise to the occasion, get some points. You know, I'd like to see them get four points out of the road trip. I know that's maybe a little ambitious, but all right. All right. We kind of teed it up. We were talking about Mitch Marner and and that amazing shorthanded goal that he scored uh, against the Islanders. And then he also had that other one where he did a 360 in front of Robin Leonard against Vegas. And everybody's just marveling at uh, the edge work. And Connor McDavid's in that same boat. So I thought it would be fun to bring on Rob DeVoe. He's the owner of Three Zones Hockey School. And more importantly, the guy that found Mitch Marner, or did Mitch Marner find you, Rob, at the age of four? And I'm like, what the hell are you doing with four-year-olds, Rob, at such a young age on the ice? Give us a little bit of background, please, on this. Yeah, well, I agree with you. I did not want anything to do with a four-year-old, but uh, his father, Paul, who you know, was very persistent, and I fell into the trap, and I'm glad I did because it was a, it's was been a very, very special ride for me. Well, what has the um, experience of that been like working with Mitch over the years, the evolution of his skating? Tell us about the, the process from you know such a young age to where he's yeah, at now. And what did he look like at four? <laughs> Well, at four years old, I mean, again, I take them when they're six. And Paul got me to, to convince me to bring him out. So he uh, brought him out. I had my class just starting. He, he of course, showed up a little bit late. Uh, I went over to the boards. One of my instructors told me that there was somebody that wanted to talk to me. I went over to the boards. He said, I'm Paul Marner. I said, okay, where's your little guy? And he reached down below the boards and picked them up. He was so small. <laughs> just, finished, <laughs> just finished having a nap in the in the car seat in the back seat, fully dressed. And you said, get him out of here. Get him out of here. Don't oh, embarrass said, me. Oh, my God. So I picked him up and I put him on the ice. And he, I said, go ahead, go ahead, skate around. And it's just the beginning of the class. And the kids were skating around. And I looked at Paul and I said, yeah, he looks pretty good. So we put him in the bottom line. We, we do a lot of line skating because uh, we're correction orientated and uh, we did some line skating. It looked really good. And then we did some pylon drills. And, and what I did was I said, okay, I, I try to catch the kids off, but I said, okay, I want you to do tight turns or power turns, what we call them, but you got to do it on your forehand. And most young kids will go back in. Some will go forehand, but they're not too sure. But Mitch did it right on the forehand that he did it right on the backhand. Then we put the, figure eight pylons out and I told him to do it again, start on your back end. And Mitch was one of the only ones that could do it properly. And he was by far the youngest in the class. So I skated over to the boards to Paul and said, he's in. Yeah. That, that was, that's how I started to work with Mitch Marner. So how Rob, is it you, the, the program, the actual exercises or just this God given talent that you could see as early as four. Like, wh- where is the kind of the line on all of that? Well, I, I think when you get a kid like Mitch or some of the other high-level players in the NHL, it's it's naturally, it, it all comes natural there. He was very talented even when I threw him on the ice. So he had some natural ability right at the bat where you get other kids that are six and seven and eight, they struggle and they really need that development that we do but I think it's the overall it was everything I mean we're very very I'm, I'm a back then I was an ogre I was kind of a meanie and a big guy and I had a reputation but I wanted things done correctly and I was strict on down on one knee and pay attention and Mitchell never had any of those issues he was very disciplined and his work ethic was out of this world right until today that I still know him uh, and you know he 
the stuff we do is difficult for some kids. The stuff we do is harder for, or, or easy for kids like Mitch. So eventually I had to put him in higher level programs with older kids. And then I had to put him in private lessons at a very young age too. He's still the youngest I ever put in private lessons. So I could basically take him myself and start really working on the stuff that I needed. He, I thought he needed to work on because it was obvious he wasn't going to be a great big hockey player. So we really needed to figure out, okay, edge work's important, shooting's important, puck handling. And I'm a stickler on the weakest skill in hockey. What do you think it is, Nick? The weakest, sorry? Weakest skill in hockey. What is it? Oh, it's it's got to be got to be skating. No. Hands? They all skate pretty good. Hands? No. <laughs> Passing. Passing. Yeah. And you got to look who's one of the best or the best passer in the NHL. Well, we were just getting into that. The, yeah. the, the centermen are yeah. having more and more trouble these days. Yeah, but you know, I gotta, but, I gotta, but, I gotta but, agree but, with you 100. percent Try Mitch Marner at center for a few games and see what happens. The, the playmaking uh, comes very natural to him. What and, are we doing yeah, here? Right? Putting Mitch Marner at center today? Right? What is happening? I mean, it, yeah. I think it, I think it does bold a little bit on the struggles of the Leafs right now at the center ice position. The lack of creativity. Yeah, I agree. I, and he's good on the draw, too. I mean, he doesn't get that many draws, but normally when he does get them, he wins them. So, you know, his uh, his skill set is spectacular. It's always been good. It's gotten it's gotten better every year after year after year. I work with him. And, and Nick, I, I listened to that wall uh, podcast or whatever it's called. And who is, is the other guy that we're talking to? Is that Justin? Yes. Yeah, Justin Bourne. Yeah. Justin. Yeah, so he's the one that mentioned uh, about at the development camp and working with a figure skater. Yeah. And I was kind of offended by that because Mitchell was by far the best edge work kid I've ever worked with. And before he even went to the London Knights, his edge work was spectacular. So I'm kind of having a hard time of finding out and figuring out what the hell couldn't he do with Barb Underhill. And if he couldn't do it, it would only take him five minutes to figure it out. Yeah, no, he was willing to put in the work for sure. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> hey, so uh, yeah, I know that kid better than anybody except so, for Paul, of course. And he's spectacular with his edges. And we saw that with the goal the other night and the, the, the other backhand goal. And if you, if you do no, if, take uh, notes, He's got six goals and four of them have been on the backhand. Mind you, the first one was kind of a tap-in, but all backhand. And we've been bugging him to use his backhand for a number of years now, more and more and more. And he's finally starting to do it, and I'm very happy about it. But but you forgot about the one edge work one he did years ago against James Reimer when he was playing in Florida. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you're talking about that one. Wow, you got a guy with six concussions here. Maybe, (laughs) maybe his second year, it was phenomenal. Went down and went one way, the other way, and and stuck his edges and pulled Reimer. Reimer went for a swim one way, and Mitch put the puck in the open net the other way. So, if hockey players are thinking still that they need the figure skaters to work on their edges, could you not go in and 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 help the figure skaters just as equally? Well, what I need the figure skaters need to do is, as long as they're teaching with ice skates on not figure skates but they gotta incorporate the stick the stick is the key you gotta have that stick so all your all all your drills are with i'm sorry all your drills are with uh pucks and and sticks never never without a stick or a puck we only with the little wee ones when we're doing tight turns and we want them to throw their arms one way or the other way that helps their body turn but other than that, after we do that for 10 minutes, then pick up your stick, let's do it with a stick, then let's do it with a puck. And I'm big on high hands, and if you notice, Nick, you were saying about his toe caps facing Muzzin yeah. when he made that yeah. move. I want, look back at that clip and look where his hands are on a stick. A lot of these other players, their hands are halfway down their stick. That's why they can't do what Mitch does. Interesting. And what McDavid does. They, they have their hands high. They have great balance, and they're able to maneuver with their feet because the stick's not in the way. Interesting. Hey, Rob, really appreciate your time, buddy. Okay, I appreciate your time, too. Have a great day. All right, thanks. Are we going to invoice Three Zones Hockey School for that ad, or what are we? (laughs) Holy hell. It it didn't make any sense to you? I mean, he was mad at you. Yeah, Yeah, not not pleased at all. He was mad, yeah. Yeah, well, that's pretty mutual. Wow. (laughs) What a performance.
This the man who made Mitch Marner. Thanks for coming on. Well, I wasn't quite expecting that, but uh, <laughs> boy, he gave it to you. Yeah. Well, I think, but the, it's not you. I think it's the perception out there mm-hmm. that he that Mitch would that, have slightly no, less that, than that, perf- no, perfect or, edge work. No, or that I guess Barb Underhill kind of. Yeah, she spent extra time with yeah. him working on some stuff after practice. Yeah, um, yeah. and you know. John Tavares too. There's a lot of talk about uh, yeah. John's skating. The greatest and, players in the world. Yeah, she's, with Barb. she's no longer with the Leafs. No, she's not. I think she had grandkids now, so she's taken a little step okay. back. But she's a, a terrific skating right. coach, and uh, you know, did did a lot of great work with her, a lot of great players. I just found it interesting. Four years of age. I wasn't quite expecting all of that. Yeah. <laughs> no. So nor nor was edge. I, Nick. Yeah, that's good. Well, we'll ask Gretz about his edge work. Yeah, it was okay, too. He was another guy that moved a lot like Mitch Marner, a lot of that lateral play through the neutral zone, and uh, I, I am excited to sort of tie those two interviews together to see what uh, what the great one has to say. And you expect a stellar performance out of Jack Campbell again. I know we, uh, we talked about it earlier, but uh, before we get to uh, the great one here, uh, he's going up against a guy that he's got so much – admiration for in Jonathan Quick. That's a that's a that's that's one game he's going to remember for a long time tonight. Yeah, you know, the uh, the Jonathan Quick thing is actually pretty fascinating this year. Sammy, were you saying that Quick is like third in the NHL in save he, percentage? He's got nine. Yeah, he is. I think he's got 939 nine save percentage so far this year. So that's a bit of a bounce back for him, which actually you know, brings me to uh, something I wanted to bring up at some point in the show today, which is Mark Andre Fleury. Did you watch him last night? Yeah. He's been real good this, uh, what, five games? Yeah, he's been on a run five straight games over, I think, about a 940 save percentage for Chicago. Uh, last night he was 919, but otherwise real good. Um, is there a chance this guy could still be Canada's goaltender? I think there's a better chance of that than him finishing the season in Chicago. Think so? Oh. He's not a chance, eh? Well, come on. At his age, go go try to win a cup. I guess it's the ticket is all. Seven, seven mil? Yeah, but you, you're at the end of the year. They That's could true. take some salary off of it, uh, 50%. You can work something out. Yeah. It, it won't be. I don't think it'll hurt. Uh, and we don't know where certain teams will be, including the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, That's Skinner's, an interesting one. Skinner's done a nice job there. But would you take that chance right now if you think uh, you've got a good chance to go to a Stanley Cup final? Jeez, Mike yeah. Smith's injury yeah. uh, situation. Interesting idea to have Duncan Keith and Marc-Andre Fleury at the back end, a couple of classic cup winners from back in the day for the Edmonton Oilers. That would be fun to watch. One of the elites there for sure. Yeah, it was a fun fight at the beginning of the, the game, eh? Kirby Doc and Coleman. Yeah, I don't know if uh, McKee got that one. Did you happen to see the... Uh, I did. Yeah. I love Kirby Doc. Uh, thought it was a bad hit. Thought he kind of answered the bell there. And Coleman's not necessarily like a, you know, not a weak guy out there. I think that's a pretty good thing for a young sort of skilled guy. He played in the dub. He played for your um, played for your dad's team there, the Blades. The Blades, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's been, he knows his way around a fight. Coleman, and he, and Coleman he, had the old one glove on. Yeah, I know. That, <laughs> I, hate that awkward I hate that move. But no, I, I uh, yeah, I love the Flames voice. I've been talking about it since the start of the year. I'm, I'm on the Flames. They're the only other team in Canada that I actually kind of like, uh, like at all. In general, and yeah. I, I actually have loved them to start this year. So yeah, I saw that fight. Saw you on the broadcast. You look great on TV. Thanks, morning. buddy. I, God, I'm just hey. like, holy man, I get to work with this guy every day. Yeah, really good looking. Uh you guys. The uh, right now, actually, as you mentioned this, uh, analyzing the Flames and the difference between defense and checking is on Sportsnet.ca. An article I wrote this morning. So that's up right now. If you well, want to check out the difference there, we'll look for that. And did you? Uh, how many empty netters last night on uh, Chicago? Two. Two. So did you see the one where uh, Lucic just let it go in yeah. the empty net? I thought that was a really cool and b possibly a penalty, but still, <laughs> if you're the teammates, have got to love that. Well, the truth is he. He couldn't have caught up to the uh, puck. He could have. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was my first thought. Was like, could he got there? I honestly think in those situations, even though it looks whatever, you got to give it a tap, Luch. Like, put it in the net. Well, if by chance he doesn't and they come back and score. Right. Like, let's say he tries to hold the guy off and loses that battle. Just put it in the net. All kidding aside, he, he knew it was going to go in the net. Yeah. And, uh, 
I think uh, it was a to a not nice grab move. a point though. It's pretty selfless, and I think the boys and you're sitting in the dressing room after they appreciate that you know your priority is the team and not your individual numbers. It, it makes a nice little statement to the fellas. That it does. All Wait. right. There we What's go. What's going on, Sammy? We're just waiting on the we're just waiting on the the great ones call here. So cool. Are you a little nervous? Very at all. I actually my heart yeah. is racing. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Can you so, uh, so, don't don't ask for one of those digital autographs, okay, Sammy? <laughs> I won't. Get a Gretzky <laughs> NFT. So the uh, the focus for you uh, with with Gretzky and, and Marner, you want to know what the tie there, hey? About the skating, the well, edge work? just. <sighs> You know, Wayne, as we know, uh, a lot of people thought that actually his skating was not up to par when he was 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. He had that hunched over kind of look. He was never not the, the biggest, sexiest skater. Not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy, but could think yeah. three moves ahead of everybody else. Yeah, that was the whole thing about just his, knowing where to be makes you look fast. His edge work was spectacular. Yeah. I don't know if I said this on here or where I said it, but the the way that McDavid makes his, like, quick cuts um, on those goals, like when he cuts through Winnipeg, he cuts through the Rangers, the way he moves is something I can see, like, an evolution in skating. A lot of the same way that Wayne, I think, changed. the made, You know, he was a at the front of an evolution of skating, of getting guys to really move and cut and swoop. And, he, I mean... He moved in all directions the way that a lot of players didn't then. A lot of Canadians were straight line, north-south guys, and, you know, Wayne had a little different take on things for sure. All right. He's coming. All right. He's Kipper's coming. getting the updates for He's us. He's coming. All right. So you, do it, you do it all, you know? You, you, you book the show. <laughs> you host the show. You're just, you're just a malt. Oh, here we go. He's calling him. All right, perfect. Jeez. Talk about the great one. There he is. Sammy's. Maybe, maybe, uh, hopefully Biznasty got him a coffee before this segment. <laughs> what a, what a career change, hey? Going from, you know, playing alongside the greats and working in organizations and now on TV with a, you know, bunch of people like, like old Biz. Love Biz. But a little different environment for him than, uh, so, you know, Mark Messier is a teammate. Oh, they won't be short of laughs on that set. And really good dinners. Really good dinners uh, the night before big telecast. Joining me now, joining us now, Wayne Gretzky. How are you, pal? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? We're good. We're good. And uh, the gig's been a lot of fun, I would imagine. Yeah, it's actually been way more fun than I even thought it was going to be. enjoying it immensely um i don't know how good i'm doing they've only had me work two days so (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh being on a good hockey team and you don't get on the power play (laughs) so uh Uh, but yeah but it's been fun hangers got you uh uh he's got your golf game uh down pat though right uh during the week well yeah, Panger's pretty good. That's the thing about him. Uh, but uh, I, I, I got another guy that I lean on for golf tips other than him. <laughs> as good as Panger is. Wayne, um, we were talking earlier in the show about, uh, you know, the edge work today of, of guys like Mitch Marner and, of course, Connor McDavid and how that whole thing has evolved over the years. You know, you weren't described as a the prettiest of skaters, but your edge work was, you know, exceptional with your ability to cut in and, uh, and be able to do a 360 and all of that. And my question to you is back in, you know, in your development, you know, even in the backyard with your dad, was there a, a conscious effort to understand what that meant back then? Or were you just too busy having fun and it just kind of evolved naturally? <laughs> well, let me say this. Uh, first and foremost, uh, can you imagine Gordy Howe and John Beliveau and Bobby Hort today? Basically, they played with running shoes with a blade <laughs> on the bottom, and the blade was sort of a knife. It wasn't even 
what we have today. And technology took over. Um, my dad's biggest concern was always, I don't care really how fast you are, but balance is such an important part of being successful. And I used to go in the 70s, the Toronto Marlies played 20 home games in Brantford because the Toros had moved into Maple Leaf Gardens. And at that time, they had John Tonelli and Bruce Boudreaux, Mike Kitchen, um, and a young kid named Mark Napier. And my dad would tell me all the time, watch Mark Napier. He's not the fastest guy out there, but when he cuts around a guy, his balance is so incredible. And I always kind of took that as a positive and always remembered that. Um, and I can remember playing with Glennie Anderson, and his balance was so articulate and so amazing. And so we've progressed to a point where we have all this power skating teachers, players have personal coaches. And on top of that, they have the equipment that goes with it now. The the skates that they wear are so much uh, more ahead of the time than when we all played. But with that, they're better athletes today, so it goes hand in hand. Um, pretty unique, pretty special. When you watch a guy like Mitch Marner, and listen, Connors is a, a level of such an extreme because he's so fast and so unique, and in a lot of ways, so is Leon. Leon's more of a horse and more of a, uh, not a bully, but his strength is so important to him. And then you see guys like Mitch Marner and Patrick Kane. They can do a lot of things, and they slow the game down, and they're able to make the defenders slow down at a pace when they have the puck that's so unique. And so it's fun to watch them play because they're so special. And like I said, the athletes of today are, are so much better than we were in the 80s. But, <clears throat> you know, that's progression. 20 years from now, the athletes are going to be better than they are today. And that's what that's why we love the NHL. And that's why we love watching it because every year the athletes get better. When I retired and Lemieux retired and Messier retired, uh, Lafleur retired, or how we go on and on and on, and everybody said, well, what happened now to the league? And then along came Crosby and along came Ovechkin, and they've done so much for the game, and they've been so great for the game, not only for their teams and for the league, but for their respective countries and their respective cities. And that's what makes our game so special, and that's what I love about the National Hockey League. Wayne, I wanted to ask you about the way forward lines are constructed and just your experience playing with different types of wingers. Um, you know, here in Toronto, there's not really a true top-line left winger. So Matthews and Marner are playing with like a Michael Bunting or Nick Ritchie at times. I know during your your time, you spend time with a variety of, of wingers. Sometimes you might have a guy like Dave Semenko out there um, Leon, Leon and Connor have played with, you know, some, I guess, I don't want to say lesser left wingers, but, you know, not quite on their level guys. Um, what are your thoughts on how essential it is to have three, you know, highly talented guys together or, or is it not necessary and, and you can make do just fine with someone who's kind of, uh, below the standard of the other two? Well, listen, if, if you can put Beliveau, Richard, and Guy Lafleur on the first line, that's a pretty good line. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, especially in this day and age with the salary cap, that becomes more difficult. But I will tell you this, Yuri and I had immense pleasure playing with Dave Semenko. He knew what to do. He didn't really carry the puck. He went to the net. He created openings for us. He got a lot of tipping goals. He got a lot of deflection goals. And he worked on our line. Then we got a guy named Yaroslav Puzar, who was from Czechoslovakia, that had a little bit more skill than Dave, but he was more of a defensive left winger. And he fit in nicely also, and we won a championship with him. And then we got this young kid, Esther Tikkanen, who was 19, that had unreal skill. And his skill level was probably as good as mine or Yuri's. And he fit in nicely also. So I don't know if it's imperative that all three guys have to have that skill level that's so unique, 
if you look at the Edmonton Oilers power play, and I, I will say um, in the 50s, it used to get uh, a power play and you get the full two minutes. And because the Montreal power play was so successful, the rule got changed. Can you imagine if this Edmonton Oilers team um, had a full two minutes, even if they scored a goal, they might get three goals every power play. It's a it's a whole different game now, and I marvel at their power play. And and you know, I watch them and I see them. I was at the St. Louis uh, San Jose game the other night, and I think St. Louis is the top three power plays in hockey. And I I was sitting with Kelly Chase, thinking, wow, this power play is about as good as any power play I've ever seen. And then you see the Edmonton Oilers, and nobody stands still anymore. The defensemen go down to cycle down. The other guy moves in the middle. All three forwards are moving. If you look back at the history of the Oilers with, uh, when Connor first came in, he kind of would get in the same position, and that was kind of his spot. And if you watch him now, he's all over the offensive zone, and obviously he's the best player in the game. And it's such a unique power play, and it's so special. Um, I don't know how you defend it. So, yeah, the, the game has changed, and the athletes have changed because the, because the athletes are better today, and the preparation, the teaching, the coaching is better. That's just progression, and that's what makes our game so wonderful. Gretz, the Leafs have uh, been on a nice run here, but, of course, uh, we go everything uh, with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, even strength, putting the puck in the net, even strength is a, has been an issue for them. I talked earlier in the program about uh, I, I see a lack of playmaking ability, and I, I mentioned Matthews and Tavares. Matthews is a shoot, shoot, shoot first centerman, leads the league, like likes to get his pucks to the net. But uh, Tavares does like to get pucks to the net as well. And I just go back to your career and the year that you scored ninety-two goals. Mm-hmm. It's not the 92 for me. It's that you, your your playmaking ability didn't suffer with your 120 assists that year. How important was it that year that you were you were setting a record with your 90 plus goals? But it didn't come at a cost of 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 mm-hmm. making of sharing the puck or putting your teammates in a position to put the puck in the net as well. Well, first of all, I think you got to play to your strengths and. You know, people ask me all the time about the goal record, and I always tell people, listen, uh, I, I hope I'm the first guy there to shake Alex's hand, and I believe he's going to break the record. I think it's great for the game. I think what he's done is wonderful. Um, I, I, I just think it's all a positive. Because at the end of the day, no matter what I did as far as goals are concerned, when people – talk about Wayne Gretzky. They they really don't talk about the goals I scored. I'm not known as a goal scorer, and that's fine by me. You know, I, I learned at a young age that scoring goals for the team was what it was all about, and I was lucky, and he played with them. Mark Messier kind of, he had that same mindset and the same, he was a drill sergeant as far as, you know what, it's about scoring goals as a group. And I can remember getting three goals in the game. And Mark Messi, leaving the game, you would have thought he had the three goals. And that's how genuine he was. And so that vibrates through the hockey club. So Austin Matthews, he's a goal scorer. And that's fine. Mitch Marner is the playmaker. And and that's great, too. And so it is successful for their hockey club. And you can't really change that because that's the way it is. And that's the way it's going to be for the Leafs. Um, is is uh, Matthews the same kind of a playmaker as, as uh, Marner? Absolutely not. But he's a great player and he's important to the success of their hockey club. And you can tell by watching their team play, they just really love playing off each other. And I was telling the story to Rick Tockett the other day that I went for lunch with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor and uh, Darnell Nurse. And it reminded me so much of me and Kevin Lowe and Mark Messier and Paul Coffey having lunch together that they were teasing each other. And 
Leon was disappointed that Connor's passes weren't as good as he thought they should be. <laughs> and you know what? That's what makes teams successful, that they can tease each other and be on the same page and know ultimately that they want to win a championship. And I, I remember I left lunch and I said to my wife, I said, you know what? This team is so much closer to winning than people understand because these guys are so close and they want to win so badly for each other. And I love that. And that's what, that's, you know what, to me, that's even better when in the locker room, you guys are all on the same page. And I, I feel watching the Leafs play that they have that same camaraderie and that it's us and we're together and we don't care who scores. This is what you do really well. This is what defines you as a player and let's just win hockey games. And that's what makes watching the Leafs fun right now because that's what they're doing. For sure. Wayne, I wanted to ask you a self-serving question before I let you go. When I was about 10 years old, um, I came back. My dad played for the Kings the year after you did, and we came back. Uh, you were kind enough to give me one of your sticks after the game, the, the classic silver aluminum still in my house. It's a prized uh, possession of mine. So first off, thank you for that. Um, but okay. se- second off, it has the uh, the foam knob on the stick, which no one had before or after. Right. And I don't know that any – I'm surprised that it didn't take off. It's, you know, custom for your hand. It's a pretty amazing thing. Did Tell me a little yeah. bit about that and, and just, I guess, what brought it on and why you think it hasn't taken off? <laughs> I'm not sure why it didn't take off. But for me, um, and I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but – Ray Whitney was my stick boy uh, from the time he was nine years old till he was 15. And I think Ray went on to get over 1,200 points and win a Stanley Cup. And He's a good friend, and he was a wonderful young man. And I used to walk in the locker room, and I'd say, Ray, are my seven sticks ready? Because I used seven sticks every game. And he would take my sticks, and he put baby powder on the bottom. And I would just grab a stick and go. I never really looked at my sticks. Some guys like to critique them and see how how the weight is and the balance and the curve. I just kind of was lucky Titan made me great sticks, and I would just grab one. But every now and then, the knob felt a little off, and this guy came to me in Edmonton one time and said, I can make you a knob that we can put on the exact same knob every game. And so we started doing that, and it was very comfortable for me. Uh, it was a lot, a little bit more work for Ray Whitney when he was my stick boy, but <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> and that's how the, the uh, sort of rubber knob started. But, you know, um, in hockey, there's so many great stories. There's so many wonderful people in the game. And, you know, I always tease Ray. We're next-door neighbors in Idaho in the summertime, and I always tease them when people meet us for the first time that, this is Ray Whitney. He was my stick boy. <laughs> and here's a guy that 1,200 points, yeah. borderline Hall of Fame guy, and won a Stanley Cup. But uh, you know what? Those are stories that make our sport so wonderful and so great. Gretz, one more for me, and uh, might have a little NBA uh, TNT because you got Barkley and Shaq down there. And it kind of revolves around the Isaiah Stewart's uh, LeBron James uh, exchange. Uh, Uh A little sympathy that you have maybe for LeBron for trying to work for his room or, you know, is that something maybe you would have tried in your heyday if you were built more like LeBron? (laughs) (laughs) You know, as well as I do, uh, Gipper, that, Number 11 would have fought for his room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Uh, When you're the guy and you're the man and you do something that's a little bit off of what people expect you to do, and you're fighting to win. You know what it is. You want to win. and you, You do anything you can to go through people, go around people. Hey, listen, um... Sports is a tough game. Uh, Sometimes it gets a little bit more physical than people like it to be. Um, But you have to look at the overall overall sort of uh, record of an athlete. And from what I will know, and I'm not a huge basketball guy, but it seems to me like this is probably one of his first distractions. And you can't label him as a bad player or as a goon or as a tough guy 
he's fighting for his place and maybe he got a little emotional, a little bit excited. Maybe he was really excited about going into the garden to play in New York because it's a pretty <laughs> special place to play in. And, uh, hey, listen, we all get physical at some point in time. I even had to fight with Neil Broughton. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to Google that as soon as we finish. <laughs> but, no, no, but it happens, right? Every now and then, you know, you just lose your temper and lose your cool. But to say that he's a dirty or mean player – even me, who's an amateur basketball guy, I've seen him play too many times and know that that's not his nature. God, I loved it. I just wish they would have let uh, Stewart go a little further. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a, uh, a Leafs-Red Wings uh, match of the 60s. And, and <laughs> you know, I, I, I was killing myself laughing the other day. I was showing my son a picture of Ted Lindsay. And uh, Frank Mahovlich got in a fight in Maple Leaf Gardens in the 60s. And the penalty box is one penalty box. And when they went in the penalty box, they were sitting side by each. <laughs> and I said, that shows you what sportsmanship is all about. We can battle and fight on the ice. And we get in the penalty box together and we're sitting there for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make that up. Awesome stuff. Well, listen, we're going to let you go. Uh, we really appreciate your time. We probably uh, took yep. a little bit more of it than we should have, but that's, okay. that's just us being greedy. I'm, just, uh, I'm, I'm cooking turkey right now in St. Louis, so it's okay. I'm fine. Oh, nice. Well, happy American Thanksgiving to you and your family. Yeah. All right. Hey, listen, thank you guys very much. Anytime you want me to come on, just call me. Uh, Thanks, we really guys. appreciate that. Thanks, okay, pal. Thanks so Wayne much. Wayne Gretzky, the great one. That was fun. Wayne Gretzky, man. The, uh, the, the foam knob thing so, so fascinates me. I know I'm selfish on that, but that is an unbelievably interesting story to me. Like, see Spezza looking at his sticks every day? So uh, maybe next week, instead of giving away the Leaf tickets, we'll give away that stick. Yeah. <laughs> you can have one of my kids first. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it's worth? Uh, I don't know. You know Not it, nothing. Yeah. No, like, no, no. That, that, that aluminum Easton stick... Beautiful. It uh, is beautiful. Weighs 13 pounds, flex of rebar. I don't know how he ever shot the so puck. They, they, they never made this stick rack, eh? What do you mean? Those, those sticks were carried by the trainer on the road oh, every game. Really? Yes. Seven, by the way. Seven sticks. Wouldn't, Baby powder. And they, they were watched like hawks because, to your point, yeah. everybody wanted one. Oh, and they're, they're they would have gone missing. I, I bet he never bag. broke one. I would love to have him back to ask him if he ever broke it was a like, single uh, one. It was like the, the movie The Natural when Robert Redford and the, the Wonder Bat, remember that yeah. scene where it just comes out and it's like <laughs> the bat? That, that was Wayne Gretzky's uh, aluminum sticks back then. It was, and it gave birth to the eventual synergy that you know launched a movement of sticks. And the rest is history. Yep. What do you think of the Kings uh, team overall? Because we mentioned it, uh, what, 35, 36 years old, Jonathan Quick has given them a, a chance. Yeah, uh, Cal Peterson not having quite the season. I think they expected to pass that baton this season. That has not been the case. His numbers are not pretty. Um, but I liked, I liked the King, Kings team. I think they're at a good point. Uh, exciting team to watch and should be a, a fun, fast game tonight. All right, Sammy, what's on tap, buddy? Got Jen Bottle coming up after the break here. So some more great hockey talk right after this on uh, Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Wow, that was so cool, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it was like me yesterday, though. If he, if he committed harder, let's just go. Let's go.